praise the Lord. And I'm going to read a couple of prayers. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Which one I go first? Okay. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, in whom we live and move and have our being, we render thee our humble praises for thy preservation of us from the beginning of our lives to this day. For that many mercies we bless and magnify thy glorious name. And since it is of thy mercy, O gracious Father, that another day is added to our lives, we here dedicate both our souls and our bodies to thee in thy service. We would remember before thy throne of grace all those who are near and dear to us and all for whom we are bound to pray. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble and be graciously pleased to take us and all things belonging to us under thy fatherly care and protection this day and forever. We ask it for Christ's sake. Now, Lord Jesus, help us to arrest our intellect for your Holy Spirit to flow through our minds as well as our hearts. Lord Jesus, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to reconcile church. Resurrect our dead spirits to come alive to the work of your spirit here in this tabernacle and in every individual temple present. Holy Spirit, revive us once again, restore us back to our Heavenly Father so that the joy of your salvation will return and then we will shout the praise and glory to your wonder-working names. And I ask you, Father, to continue to show me the things you want me to see so when I speak, Master, it will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I, 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 I have to read today's devotional and um, yesterday's devotional. And I think when I get into the message, you'll see how it really kind of ties in uh, to, to the message. Now, yesterday, and, and yeah, I know we all have this, but I don't know if you all have read it before you've gotten here. But anyway, yesterday was, was so good, and, and uh, I, I can't help but to read this. And so yesterday's title was Don't Lose Sight of Your Goals. And, and the supporting scripture came out of Psalms 112.8. His heart is established. He will not be afraid. His heart is established. He will not be afraid. He's talking about the heart of a believer. Amen. Amen. To achieve success in life, there are three obstacles you have to be aware of and outcome. One, weariness. It's reputed that during the Kentucky Derby, the winning horse runs out of oxygen after the first half mile and runs the rest of the way on heart. That is a powerful statement. He didn't run on his own ability. He ran by faith. That's what it means by heart. Your heart is ruled by faith. Nothing else about us is controlled by faith if we don't let our heart take control over the rest of us. So look into your heart today and see if you are truly committed. Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. But you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, but first of all, we got to do, do his will. <laughs> you may receive the promise. And that's in Hebrews 10, 35 to 36. The second is fear. When it comes to commitment, 
there are four kinds of people. A cop-outs, cop people who have no goals and who don't commit. People who have no goals and who don't commit. Give us the ears to hear, Father. Holdouts, people who don't know if they can reach their goals, so they're afraid to commit because they don't want to fail or they don't want things brought to their attention. You don't grow if you don't allow yourself to fall. We learn and profit from what we missed. We learn and profit from when people tell us things and bring correction, but if you know it all, you're never getting anywhere. And then we have uh, dropouts. People who start toward a goal, but when the going gets tough, and then we have all outs, people who set goals, commit to them, and pay the price to reach them. Set goals, commit to them, and pay the price to reach them. Do you know you have to do some suffering in order to reach the goal? <laughs> That's our issue. We don't ever want to suffer, okay? Which one of the four are you? Fear and faith will always be present in your life. Which one are you going to choose? Oh, and the one you choose will, that was my thing. Which one are you going to choose? And the one you choose will determine whether you succeed or fail. Complacency. Successful business, businessman Ray Corrick said, as long as you're green, you're growing. As soon as you're ripe, you'll start to rot. If you're wise, you'll take regular rest periods to refresh, renew, and refocus. Now, that's for a working person. That is not for a person who isn't doing anything, who seems to rest all the time. But you must not settle for yesterday's successes or coast on tomorrow's momentum. Be like Paul. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race. That's what Paul said. Amen. Amen. Now today says, uh, everyone abandoned me, but the Lord stood with me. That's in uh, uh, 2 uh, Timothy 4.16. God will never abandon you. When someone you love dies, divorces, or deserts you, it hurts deeply. Even Paul wasn't exempt. Here are some of the last words. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm the first time I was brought before the judge. No one came with me. Everyone abandoned me, but the Lord stood with me and gave me strength. He rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. The fact is, you can survive without others, but you can't survive without God. Amen. That's why he strips away things that make us dependent on people. He sends certain individuals into your life to help build your faith and develop your character. And when they're gone, to leave you with the assurance that God is in control, the loss of loved ones, develops your spiritual muscle, tests your re resilience, shows you the scope of God's power. When Moses died and Joshua was left in charge, God told him, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
That's something Joshua could never have learned while Moses was still in the picture. And it's a lesson you can't learn while you're looking to someone else for your answers. So turn to the Lord. Let the one who said, peace be still, to to the storm on Galilee, speak peace to the thing that's troubling you today. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay, uh, we're in 1 Thessalonians um, chapter 5, and we're going to do verses 1 through, 1 through 11, and the title of this message is The Day of the Lord. And, and we're in a very, very important but interesting time of this study because it's, it's really preparing, preparing us for the end times and the coming of the Lord. And, and, and we need to be really in tune to hear and to understand because we live on this earth as if there is never going to be an end and Jesus isn't coming back. And remember, he came first as the king so you can accept him as your Lord and Savior, but the second time he's coming as your judge. And I just want to know him as king and Lord, so I want to uh, be with him. when he comes back and not sitting here being judged by him okay so um first thessalonians 5 and beginning with verse 1 but of the times and the seasons brethren you have no need that i write unto you for you for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the lord so cometh as a thief in the night For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. A travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. In other words, upon a pregnant woman who who, uh, is having labor pains. That's what it means. Um, Travail. That's a term that's used a lot in prayer, in intercessory prayer. And intercessors are familiar with that term because they realize when they're interceding for a a certain situation or for other people, and intercessory means you're praying for other people and other things, okay? You may have like, you're feeling like you're in labor praying for that particular situation of those people and you have to labor in that position of prayer until you get a breakthrough in your spirit, which feels like a woman who is in uh, having labor pains before delivery, because women know that once the baby begins to come through that canal, um, then the, the pain goes away as quickly as it arrived, okay? Well, the same thing happens in prayer, in intercessory prayer, when you're laboring for a certain situation or for people, you will feel this discomfort and, this, and being very, very uncomfortable, sometimes hurting and pain, because the Lord will allow you to feel and sense what the people are feeling and going through. And you're to labor in prayer, and prayer until you feel the breakthrough. And when you feel the breakthrough, that's God's letting you know the prayer's been answered. Okay, so that lets me know some of you intercessors have never been there (laughs) by the response. Okay, that's called laboring in prayer. Okay, 
All right. Anyway, let's continue. I'm going to read that verse again. For when they shall say, oh, I'm sorry. For yourself know perfectly the, perfectly the day or the, of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall sell peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as a tra travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Now I'm going to come back and, and we're going to dissect this. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light. And children here means sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sobered, okay, or self-controlled. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for it helmet the hope of salvation. But God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we shall live together with him which means when he comes back, whether if you are still alive or you're sleeping in Christ, dead in Christ, okay, that we will be with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also you do. So what he says, encourage each other and build each other up during this time. Now, it's unfortunate. Uh, we, we, we got... Uh, um, I think there's at least one member right now who is, uh, this family is dealing with sudden deaths where uh, a mother and an aunt took the vaccination and just went down quickly, have passed, okay? You never know what's going to happen, and especially when you're so caught up with whatever the government is telling us, but you don't hear from the Lord to make some decisions that may be contrary to what they're saying, okay? So um, the other thing is when I try to pull people to keep them to stay committed and consistent, that consistency has nothing to do with that I need to fill this place. But it is to keep your faith elevated yes. so when attacks come they won't overtake you because when they come and you're not rooted and grounded in him you're not even going to think about being with Christ anymore that's the whole intent of the enemy he's going to have you to do what's going to make your flesh feel good and if your flesh is feeling good you're not pleasing the Lord okay it's just that simple when we focus on pleasing the flesh and being happy God is out of the picture okay but anyway let me go back <laughs> oh Lord Jesus okay so he says but of the times what we need to realize of the times times in this uh, particular verse it's, it's, it's not talking about a point of time or uh, or I mean I'm sorry not talking about a season uh, but a point of time. So it's not, you're not looking for a particular season, but a point, points of time when Jesus shows up. Are y'all with me? Amen. Okay. And so he, he's saying, because you are in Christ 
and you and you are knowledgeable of those things. I don't have to write to you about that because you're already in tune in tune to that. He says, "For yourself know perfectly the day of the Lord, so come it as a thief in the night." And so the day of the Lord, and let me I'm going to read my commentary so that you can understand what the day of the Lord is cuz that is so important. All the commentaries that I read this morning <laughs> was basically saying the same thing, but I'm going to read it out of my Bible. The day of the Lord is an all-encompassing term to describe the period period that begins with the great tribulation and includes the second coming of Christ and the millennium kingdom. Okay? Do you all understand? This is at the end times. This is why God is preparing us to be prepared so we don't miss it and feel like the thief is coming in the night. Mm. Okay? So it says that the Old Testament expression is here identified with the parasua, which really means that, I wrote that down somewhere. Oh, it, it, it really means that it's, it's in the present. It's in the present time, and which is referring to Jesus' second coming. That time is so important so that you are not trying to get ready but you are ready and prepared in advance, okay? So that's why the focus needs to be on that at all times, not at certain times or certain days of the week, but you live your life any way you choose all in between, okay? So, okay, I'm gonna say this again. This includes the great tribulation, the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. Remember I said before, he's coming as the judge. Okay? And the millennium kingdom. So, when he comes for that, believers should be with him. You don't want to be here to be judged by that second coming. Okay? So, um, when it talks about a thief in the night, Okay, because I'm, okay, I'm still on verse 2. Because the Antichrist spirit is already here. He's been on the earth for some time. But has been so successful with his propaganda that very few people in the world, remember the Bible always talk about there's only a remnant of people who's going to make it. Only, so don't get caught up or think because you belong to a certain church and you come to services. Don't get caught up with that defining who you are in Christ. Or what church you attend because it's popular and it has it going on. Don't let that be the defining factor of your Christianity. Okay? Because remember the Bible says there's only going to be a remnant. That remnant is because there's only a certain amount of people who are truly going to believe and hold on to that belief. Because why? They have diligently worked and done what is necessary to believe, okay? So because you have bought into the propaganda that the world is presenting that comes from the spirit of Antichrist, 
That's what we need to understand. What's going on in the world and in the government is influenced by an antichrist spirit. But because it is a government, you put more credence in what you hear over media than what you get out of God's word. Oh, but then if you aren't reading the word, you don't realize there's some contradictory points to what you are hearing on mass media. Okay? So, therefore, you, that we're, the world is not expecting Christ to return. How can they be expecting Christ to return when they don't even believe in him being the Messiah, the Savior, our Lord? When you don't believe that and you have boxed him to be just a human person who is a prophet or a man uh, and you don't believe that he's God, you're not expecting him to return. And if you're not expecting him to return, you're not preparing for the return. And that's why it's going to be like a thief in the night. No, we who believe won't know, but it won't be like somebody coming stealing anything from us. Because we're going to be prepared and ready. Hallelujah, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Those who have eyes to see should be spiritually growing and preparing for that great day. We do everything else preparing. You know, you got your financial uh, portfolio. You know, you, you, you got your wheels and you got all that stuff going on. But have you prepared for the coming of your Lord and Savior? Or are you sleepy? As believers, we are too lax and comfortable with ourselves in these times. No longer being as we have always been, but seeking. Don't. That's what I mean. No longer being as you have always been. BC. <laughs> but seeking to know God more intimately to become who he say you are. God have already spoken who you are, who you're to be. But for you to know it and to understand it, you got to be in a relationship with him because the enemy is always talking in your ear and your soul is broken, your soul is bound, and it doesn't know what it needs to know for you to walk in the peace and the joy of the Lord, regardless to what's going on. We cannot hear too much biblical teaching. We cannot see too much spiritual or moral insights. We must feed our souls the food that would destroy it. Because God came to kill that soul. Your heart got saved and changed readily at salvation point. But your soul has got to be worked on and God wants it destroyed. Because it is broken and it's bound and, and, and it's spoiled. In order for your heart to take control, because when we are moved by what our what I Feeling. Your soul is directing and your heart is not controlling anymore. Okay, hold your place in 1 Thessalonians. Let's go over to Matthew 15. And we're going to read 15, chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 1 through 20. Verse uh, 1 of 15. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees 
These are people who had letter of the word but did not have any spirit of the word. So that's why they had you following traditions. <laughs> Which were of Jerusalem saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? See, that's the problem. You know what? This is, this is in, the, in, the, in the New Testament of the Bible, but it's present today. And the churches are more concerned about how you have not completed or come up to par with their traditions, and you don't know nothing about the gospel. And that's who you don't want to transgress against, is the gospel, okay? Now listen what they're talking about. For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Now, you know what the bread they're talking about? Communion. They're not talking about at the dinner table. They're talking about when they eat communion, they're not... Oh, glory. That's one of them religious traditions. You can't come to this table and partake with us if you haven't washed your hands. Let me tell you, if you understood what the table meant, you could care less because you know when you come to the table, your hands is going to get clean. All you need to do is confess your sins and get to the table because what you're doing when you come to the table, to the Lord's table, to partake of the symbolic bread and wine that represents his body and his blood, you're now remembering what he's done for you so that you can be free from the things that contaminated your hands, but more importantly, that contaminated your heart. Because that's what you need to be concerned about is your heart. Soap and water can cleanse the hands. So, so, okay, God, Jesus answers him. For God commanded, saying, okay, let me, three. But he answered and said unto them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your traditions? Oh! <laughs> Some of that stuff that you've been following or you used to follow with traditions of men, not of God. That's why you're so messed up and have a hard time receiving the truth when you hear it and, and thinking I'm so radical. But if I'm radical, that's because Jesus is. Amen. <laughs> he says, for God commanded saying, honor thy father and mother, and he that curses father or mother, let him die the death. Woo, okay, it's talking about spiritual death. It starts out with spiritual death. But also it talks about how your days will be shortened when you don't honor your, your mother and your father, okay? Okay, he says, but you say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift. Okay, the, 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 the little explanation for it, it is a gift, it means dedicated to the temple. <laughs> you see, it's all about tradition. It is not about serving God with your whole heart, okay? It is a gift by whosoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, it shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Okay. Do y'all understand where he's coming from here? Okay. It really means that your form of worshiping is an outward expression of, of honor uh, by action, okay, but your heart is far away from it. We can say a lot of things, but our heart is not in it. So you doing an outward worship like they did in the in the in the in, in the temples, 
okay? They did an outward worship to show their affection for the Lord, but inwardly they were disrespectful to their father and their mother and anybody else of authority. Okay, so he's, so you have dishonored me by your outward worshiping, but your heart is far from me. Okay, so he says, um, ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts as far from me. Amen. You know, that's how some Christian folks act. They say a lot of stuff, and it sounds good. <laughs> and according to church protocol, it is good. But it doesn't matter about what you say and how you sound. It matters about what you do and who you are. So you can put on the act and, and, and say all of those little church things and, and, and uh, uh, okay, I'm getting ready to mess with some sacred cows or that. Sometimes some outward expressions that appear to be spiritual are not as spiritual as you think. And so when you judge where a person is based on how loud they can yell, and how much they come back with all of the proper words like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You don't know where that person's heart is. And you don't even know what's motivating them to speak out. Okay? We have various levels of spirituality. And we don't really understand how the spirit operates because we do it by our understanding with our senses when you're supposed to be able to do it by the discernment of your heart. Because you can be in the spirit and in the next moment be in the natural because God is showing you something. He says, watch as well as pray and then be discerning and do what you need to do and then come back into the spirit and nobody don't even know what's going on. See, every loud symbol. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> so don't be caught up because you hear stuff that appears like it's so holy and spiritual. Uh-uh. Watch the walk. Watch the walk. Watch the behavior. And I, and, and I go even further than that. Look at the disposition. Look at the demeanor. I can walk around here and be shouting, oh, hallelujah, oh, praise the Lord, and all of that. And, and if you have any kind of discernment, you can look and see I'm jacked up because my demeanor is speaking louder than my words. It comes all over you, your facial, everything. It comes, your eyes. Look at the eyes, folks. It's revealed. You can't hide anything from the Holy Ghost. And if you got the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you can see beyond what's being spoken in that outward thing. I don't care how cute you're looking, how dressed up you may be, how covered up you may be. 
I look and look in the eyes. I can see the demeanor. I know what time it is. And anyone else who's filled with the Holy Ghost and want to walk in truth. And every believer is supposed to be operating in discernment. Now, there are some people who have the gift of discernment that can see more than the average, the average one of us can see. Okay, but every believing believer should have the gift of discernment operating in you. The spirit of discernment, I'm sorry, the spirit of discernment operating in you. Why do you think he gave, gave us the Holy Spirit? Amen. The Holy Spirit is the discerner. Yes. In Hebrews, yes. he discerns the thoughts and the intents of man. Yes. He separates and divides the soul from the spirit. Yes. But some people are anointed with a higher gift of it yes. that can see things quicker than we can. But he, because why? He, Paul tells us, I don't want you to be ignorant of the devices of Satan. He wants you to be able to see what's going on. God don't want us walking around here ignorant of the devices of what he's already overcome. How can you overcome it if you don't know what he's already overcome? Okay, uh, I'm back into the scriptures. I think I'm in um, verse 7. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, this people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. But in vain they do worship me. In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. And this is where I'm going. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which come out of the mouth that defileth the man. <laughs> then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father have not planted shall be rooted up. Uh, I, I got to say this again for religious ears. Every plant which my heavenly Father have not planted shall be rooted up. Now, you have the opportunity now to seek him and uproot that mess now. You don't want to wait for the second coming. Okay? He says, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. He talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees? They're blind, and, they're, and the folks who follow them are just as blind. So does the blind leading the blind, okay? And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, declare unto us this parable. Help us to understand this, what you just said, Jesus. Okay, Jesus says, are you also yet without understanding? Why? Because when Jesus talks to us in parables, we, the sons, believers, covenant people, you should be getting revelation. But you can't get revelation from listening to Jesus' parables when you're not in his word. If you're not a student of his word, then you don't be able to understand and, and recognize things that he's speaking. That's why he tells us the study to show yourself approved, not to teach and to preach, but for your own personal edification, you're to study. And you cannot, you cannot rest on just what you hear in classes and in service. 
You have to be able to discern the difference and know when you're hearing truth and when, and when you're hearing lies, when you're hearing the doctrines of men, when you're hearing the doctrines of Christ, when you're hearing a true fact, but not the truth. He says, um, then answered Peter and said unto him, declare unto us this parable. And Jesus says, are you, are you also yet without understanding? Do not you yet understand that whatsoever enter in at the mouth goes into the belly and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defile not a man. What is digested in the heart comes by way of sight and hearing, comes through the eye gate and the ear gate. What's digested in the heart comes from what you see and what you hear. Now, you think about what you're putting in the most. What are you seeing and reading the most? What are you listening to and watching the most? Okay? All right, what did God tell the churches in Revelation? Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Now, he wasn't talking about these. Your ability to receive. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. You, you can't always get all that you need uh, by sitting in services. This, you come here to be prepared. This is basic training. You come to services to, to be prepared, to get ready. But you, on your own, continue to read and, and grow by, by the revelation that God exposes to you. And it really should be affirmation when you hear the five-fold ministry teaching and preaching. Our souls are contaminated by what we see and hear and causes destruction and decay to our total being. How we process things, reflecting on negatives and lies, will affect our bodies more than food. If our thought life was healthy, we wouldn't choose to live on food and drinks that produces death. Because, why? If you eat something or drink something once in a while, those things are eliminated from your system. Just what he just said. What you take in goes through the belly and is cast out through the draught. Okay? But something that you are regularly consuming gets in your system and it stays in your system. That's why you crave for it. And therefore, it brings destruction. It's not the stuff that you eat every once in a while. It's the consistency. See, consistency brings the vision into play. <laughs> and because you're not in the word, you don't have a vision 
of the kingdom, you only have a vision of yourself. Self-indulging, selfishness, uh, self-conceit, self-pity, self, 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 okay? But see, you're, you're, um, when you feed your soul those things, it craves for it. And when you don't get it, when it doesn't get it, then it's, it's whining at you and telling you. And you're like, you know, I feel like I think I... But when your heart has been changed, you'll tell it, settle down. You don't get to make this decision. Holy Spirit, what are you telling me I need to eat? You know, I've, I've told on myself before, there's sometimes I'm craving for fruit, uh, fruit things, things that are fruity, fruity. And, and I know the Holy Spirit's telling me you need to eat some fruit. But instead, I go get some fruit candy, fruit-flavored candy. That's the soul. And, 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 that, and I have to be, be intentional. I'm conscious. So that's a rebellious act. But I have to be intentional on, on purpose to say, okay, you're not getting that. I'm going to get some fruit. I'm going to eat this fruit. Because if I, when I do eat the fruit, I am completely satisfied. Amen. Let me tell you, when I do eat the fruit, I am completely satisfied. But when I rebelliously go get that candy, I can't stop eating it. Amen. Or overindulge. That's what the soul wants because it's, it's unruly. And anything that's unruly that goes against the command of God brings destruction and death. And that's the spirit of darkness. So anything that we partake of that does not produce life is God causing death and destruction. Don't think because you feel good for the moment. That includes drugs, alcohol, and anything else. It's to make you feel good for the moment, but all at the same time, it is destroying your mind and your body. And you have a choice. He says, I put before you life and death, but I'm telling you what to choose. Choose life. And it begins with your thought. Your soul is part of your thought pattern. The soul includes your thought, your mind. Do you realize that? And yet because your mind is jacked up, your soul is bound. And you keep following that, thinking because you are educated and got some degrees that you know what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> Education don't have anything to do with the kingdom of God. Amen. God's wisdom is totally different from the wisdom from below. Yes. And you better get in touch with God's wisdom so you can balance out that earthly wisdom. Amen. So when Jesus comes, you, you will not be aware because you have let your soul dictate to you all of your days. You will not be aware of the times because your whole focus has been about you. Pampering your feelings, feeding your belly, and appeasing your soul with things that produces evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemy, and all of these things that will defile your body. And let me tell you, you think, you think, because when you be sitting up there looking at stuff that is, um, um, okay, 
When you're sitting up there looking at them documentaries, and because they're, because they're about real life, you think that you're supposed to sit up there and consume all that stuff. But I don't see you consuming the Bible, and I don't see you consuming history. You just, all, all the trash about what has actually happened in the world, because it's a true fact, don't make it a truth. It's a true fact, but it's not a truth, and the truth sets you free. The truth sets you free. True facts don't set you free. So you sit up there and you watch how they plot, the mafia plotting murders, and I mean, they're just, okay, all of this stuff, and you think that don't have no effect on you? You just put it through your eye gate and your ear gate. It's going to feed your soul. And your soul is going to take over because it has sense enough to know if your heart was in control, you wouldn't continuously keep looking at this garbage. It's the same with the choices of food. You know what is what's right for you, especially if you got any kind of health issues and, the, and they have already told you what you need to eat, but you're eating what you feel feel good by. So you go into bread basket. I'm purposely touching on these toes. <laughs> Kentucky fried chicken. Popeyes. You go in all of these places on a regular basis to eat because it tastes good and it makes you feel good at the moment and then on high blood pressure medication. Amen. Amen. Diabetes, insulin, and all of that stuff. And you steadily eating it and drinking it and complaining because you having the symptoms which are the result of what you just fed your soul. Amen. And you think your soul gonna stop craving for it. Well, you know, I just gotta taste. Tell your soul, set them down and shut The H up. <laughs> My heart is controlling you. I will not be subject to your lies and your deceit and kill myself. You, you see, it, you got to do more than just, I ain't taking that medication. Well, if you're going to eat like you're eating your food, you better take it. But if you're going to change your habits along with not taking the medication, now you can trust God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am the heal. I've been healed by the blood of the lamb and, my, and, 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 and on the cross, by his stripes on the cross. But you got to do what you're supposed to do. Stop sitting up here waiting for God to do everything miraculously for you. Let me tell you, I keep telling you the supernatural is your natural ability coupled with his super. That means do what you know is right so his super can interact. Otherwise, don't expect God to heal your body and heal your mind and you working against it and running to the doctor. I'm not. Every time I turn around, I got to go to the doctor. I got to have a test. I got to. But what are you doing in the meantime? Amen. Sitting up there paying them folks to tell you stuff that you already know before you even get there because you got the consequences. Amen. Amen. Oh, I'm getting off of this. Now, because, because you have pampered your soul, your system is all jacked up. Okay. So you don't have no clue about when Jesus is coming, what's happening, 
what, what are his plans or any of that. You only know what's going on main, on main media, okay? And so you can't withdraw what you have not deposited. And if you go to the bank, you'll find out, okay? So when he's talking about, about the sleeping, it means that, that you spend all your time resting and pampering your body, which keeps you out of touch with what God is saying and what he's doing in our universe. So sleep is, is a thing where you're resting to the point that you're unaware. And when you rest all the time, it slows down your reflexes. And you don't respond quickly. It, you know, when you got your body in a slow-down mode, it doesn't react right away. And you got to think it out, wait a minute, wait a minute, okay, what's this? Where am I? What am I supposed to be doing? But when you exercise your mind, because you are reading, praying, and meditating, your reflexes are quicker. Amen. Amen. We have work to do and we have responsibility. Yeah. You need to stop sitting around feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. Get up. Rise up in the name of Jesus. Cause, and you ought to know it by now. You ain't getting no pity here. <laughs> because I'm not going to help drive you to the grave. Amen. That's why I won't pity you. Because if, if, if now, if I ain't care anything about you, I'll let you just commiserate, ruminate, and all of that stuff all the time and, and just stay out of your presence because I don't want to hear it and let you go on and die. But I'm saying it because I know there's a better way and you need to, you need to get a hold of that better way so that you can live. Because there's a time. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. There is a season and a time for every purpose. So you don't sleep all the time and you don't stay awake all the time. Okay? The Bible tells us to be instant in season and out of season. So that means be prepared to proclaim the word. Be prepared to proclaim the word. You can't proclaim something you're, you're, you're not even in tune to. And I don't mean where you just memorize something you've been hearing all along, but I mean where it became a revelation in your heart and you actually understand it. Okay? You can't read or hear the word when you all consume with yourself and self-pleasures. You must be in a posture to get the meat and the water of the word. You know, Paul says, I can't take you off of this milk and put you on meat because you're not growing. So you need to be on the meat of the word, and the word waters you. So once you put the meat in there, you water it to keep it fresh and growing and increasing all the time. You just don't get it in every once in a while and, and then talk about, oh, yeah, I read such and such to make people think you and the word. <laughs> that don't mean nothing. Because you know how I can tell that you're in the word? By your walk. <laughs> Not because you tell, oh, that was good. Yeah, I saw that. Did you hear? That's, that's the Bible says 
where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. That is a true fact. When I know I'm in order with him, even if I'm facing a challenge, there's a, there is a joy that you can't even explain. And you'd be wondering, why you feel like this under the circumstances? So it says, where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Why? Because when you have a vision, you now have the prophetic word of revelation of what God wants you to know. And that keeps you laboring in the field for lost souls. And it, and it keeps you carrying the cross of ministry. Okay? Let's go over to uh, Matthew 16. I'll go to that one first. Matthew 16 and verse uh, 24 says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The cross is ministry. Deny yourself. And when you do that, even when you don't feel up to par, I've discovered, I may not be, there's been plenty of times I come, I wasn't feeling good, and as I'm into it, I start rising up, and, and then I forget I was even feeling bad. Okay? That's pity when every little ache or pain come on. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. You didn't take ownership to all that trash. Okay, so he says, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Now, some people think their cross is wayward children, bad marriage, can't get a job. All the, that, that is not your cross. Those are situations that have happened, and most of them you chose. The cross is ministry. So don't be feeling sorry for yourself because you're having to deal with some family issues or situations. That's called life. Take it to God in prayer. He will lead you and guide you in the path of righteousness for his namesake. The cross is ministry. That's, that's the cross he's talking about. Do the ministry. And get your eyes off of, off of you. Go over to Mark 10, 21. Then Jesus, building him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Well, you know why he was telling this rich man that? Not because he's against wealth, but he's against the wealth having you. When you're, when you're consumed about money so much, then that money has you and the Lord don't have you. When you, when you, okay, um, okay. <laughs> when you get your pay and the first thing you don't pay the first thing you don't pay are your tithes. Money has you and not the Lord. Amen. And when you decide to pay your tithes 
after the fact, think about where your heart is. Okay? God said the benefit of giving your tithes, which is an obedient act, is to have like an insurance policy to cover what's left over. Which means he'll make what's left over expand and go further than what it would normally go. He will allow you to have favor with certain people where they're not bugging you. Or where they're giving you something and they don't even understand why they're doing it. Trust God more than trusting them few little dollars that you get paid, whether it's on a job or once once or twice a month. When you give God first, I'm telling you, on your budget list, the first thing on that list to pay are your tithes. You're not paying tithes to the building of the church or, or to the pastor. You're paying it to, to the Lord. And you're only doing it so that he can protect what he allows you to make. It's, everything he does, he tells us to do, it's not for him. It is really to bless us. But we're too narrow-minded and, and too selfish and caught up in flesh that we don't recognize whatever he, because the Lord don't need our money. He don't need anything. He does that to bless us. He's like planting a seed. I want you to plant a seed because I'm getting ready to give you a harvest. So your obedience and, and, and what lets him know when you know you got some stuff that you don't know how you're gonna make it but you pay your tithes, that's letting him know I love you Lord. I love you more than I love these few dollars and whatever. And I know and I trust you enough to know that you're going to get me through and bring me out. And I don't have to worry and fret about how I'm going to make it because uh, I paid my tithes. Now I'm talking about experience. Okay? Even when I didn't have a job and people would give me love offerings and whatever, I tithe off of every little thing I got. When I started my own business, it flourished. And all of you all who know, know, I was never without a job. And I remember one of my girlfriend's husbands telling me, you ought to be careful for what you pray for, because I was like, I was so overworked. I said, I I didn't pray for this. It was the precept of my life that brought this, by me obeying and giving from offerings and stuff. And he says, "If, if I can trust you with a little, I'll give you much. And too much is given, much is required. So I didn't pray, God, just overflow me with business. No, I did the precept. I tied off of a little, and he gave me much. So you know I tied off of the much. Because if you haven't practiced it on the little stuff, you can forget doing it when you get money. And, and, and most folks yell, Pastor, when I, get, when, I, when I get that big thing, I'm, I'm gonna, you ain't going to do no more than you were doing when you was having that little thing. Because we do what we practice. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, back over to 1 Thessalonians. talks about verse 3 when he talks about when they shall say, I'm back in 1 Thessalonians 5, okay. When he talks about peace and safety, he's, he's talking about these are slogans. The peace and safety are not, he, Peter's telling you only what the Roman Empire supported. That was the slogan of the Roman Empire. Peace and safety, okay? Which, is the gov- which was the government of that day that controlled with lies which kept them in power and wealth, the government. 
plus it kept the people ignorant of God and his plans because they are, the government is ignorant of God and his plan. So what makes you think that they will going to have you walking in that way? There's no different today than it was back in those days. So this is why he um, tells us that, brethren, you are not in darkness. And the day shouldn't overtake you as a thief. Why? Because when he talks about this, he's not talking about dark like it in the night hour. He's, he's, he's talking about a position that you're in, of thought, not that it's nighttime. You, you, you can be in the dark right now Amen. with all that light coming through the windows and all the lights that are on, but you're in the dark. That's the kind of darkness he's talking about. He's talking about the situation of your thought pattern and, 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 and how, you, how you live. And you can be in the dark and see clearly. That's how we, being sons of God, are supposed to function. Okay? That we're, we're, we are supposed to see. Because darkness is a state of being. And not a time in the night. For as sons of God in the night you can see. And then um, um, 6, he says, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So it means watch as well as pray and be in control of your soul. Not let your soul control you. Be in control of your soul. And, and seven, where he says, for they that sleep, sleep in the night and they're drunk, uh, drunken in the night, represents morally right and spiritually alert or aware. We believers, I'm going on to eight, sons of God should be in spiritual light and a, and a blessed assurance. Eight, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. That is being sons of God in spiritual light and a blessed assurance. Let me break it down to you. If you're a son of God, then you walk in the light because you're in the spirit. You're walking in the things of the spirit. That's by your choice. It's a gift, but though it's a gift and you don't recognize it and you don't use it, it serves no purpose. Amen. So you have to choose to walk in what has been freely given to you. Okay? And when it talks about having on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of salvation, that's your blessed assurance that even though the, the dark has come upon you, that God said he's, he will deliver you from all your afflictions. Amen. 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 That's in the heart. And nobody can take that from you. Amen. Amen. And uh, verse 9, 9, it says, And... For God have not appointed us to wrath, but to attain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Believers are not to go through the great tribulation. That's what it means. He has appointed us to obtain salvation, so you, we do not have to go through the great tribulation. We are raptured up before then. When we have obtained the gift of salvation, it's not appointed for us to be part as a suffering part of that great tribulation. Amen? Amen. 
10, 10, 11, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So it means I said that earlier, whether we are awake during that time or we have died in Christ, we all will be caught up with Jesus in the rapture, in the clouds with him. Amen? So we don't lose. So um, when it says wake and sleep, it's referring to life and death. If you are awake, you have life. If you're sleeping, you have death. And so he tells us to comfort each other as believers. Comfort each other with this because we will face death of loved ones and so on, and at, in the emotional time, you'll get off. You know, you're not gonna be thinking about, I don't have to go through this. So another believer come along and bring you comfort so that you can get, get past that time. You, you're supposed to grieve, but you're not supposed to stay in grief. Amen. You're supposed to grieve and then get beyond it. Now, the only time that we would linger continuously in grief because somebody you was dear to you, you loved, died outside of Christ, and you didn't take advantage of the opportunity to tell them about Christ. Now, you need to be grieving because you know you didn't do what you needed to do, and they're going to hell for eternity. And, and, and more especially with us black people who put relationships above Jesus Christ. You're not going to say anything to a relative that may upset them because it's a truth that can change their life and save their soul. But because this is a relative that you feel so close to, you're not going to say anything to them. Let them do what they do and just go on. And you're talking about God, when God gets ready, when God gets ready, He'll reveal it to them. Well, show me that phrase in the Bible. And then when you show it to me in the Bible, I'll receive it. When God sent Jesus to the cross, he was ready. When Jesus went to the cross, he was ready. Now it's up to you to declare how salvation happens so that they can get ready. He didn't go to the cross just for you. He wants all souls to be saved. And you're supposed to tell them about what the gospel says, not your personal opinion, not some off-the-wall thought, but what is the gospel saying about their souls? And you know how they live in. If you have Jesus in you, you know the difference between right and wrong. And, and when you see loved ones who are operating in wrong, it should grieve your spirit. You should be grieved by that more so than just angry or don't care, you know, from one extreme to the other. You should be grieved by it enough to share the good news of the gospel so that their souls can be saved. Amen. So it's time for us to wake up and choose life so that we can tell others that there is hope on the other side of your situation and his name is Jesus 
and all you have to do is accept him. But believe that he went to the cross for you so that you will have an escape from the power of sin and the power of death because he loves you just that much. And if you believe that, then when you confess it, you will have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then he will give you his Holy Spirit so that you can walk the life of Christianity and not just be a church member, but be a born again believer. Amen. So now is the time. The day is the day of salvation. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want you to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I am a sinner and lost. I come to you and asking you to save me. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins on the cross. I accept that information and I'm confessing it now to you, Lord, to save my soul. I accept the gift of salvation. Now, Lord, give me the gift of your Holy Spirit so I can walk this life with you and kingdom living. Thank you, Lord. I am saved. Thank you, Lord. I am filled. Thank you, Lord. I am whole. Thank you, Lord. I have the victory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to do the benediction. Hallelujah, Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. And when you leave here, tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.